Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give, and there's no regular commitment. Just click the link in the show description to support now. Wow. Nice. Yeah. What you're hearing are the sounds of people everywhere putting on Bomba socks, underwear, and T-shirts made from absurdly soft materials that feel like plush clouds. Yeah, that plush. And the best part? For every item you purchase, Bombas donates another to someone facing homelessness. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST. Code ACAST. Welcome to the Buker and Friends podcast. Here is your host. Let's send it over to Rick Buker. Rick Buker. Welcome to another episode of Buker and Friends, part of the United Wecast Network. I'm Rick Buker. You can see me on FS1. You can read me on Bleach Report. You can hear me on Radio.com and Intercom Terrestrial Stations. You can follow me on Twitter at Rick Buecher and on Instagram at Rick underscore Buecher. It's my great pleasure to have as our guest today the CEO and founder of Life Sports Media and Entertainment, Todd Ramasar, agent to uh, many an NBA player, probably most notable on his client list right now is Pascal Siakam. However, Pascal's not having it, getting an opportunity to do what he does best. My question to you, Todd, is are you still getting to do what you do best? What's, what's it like being an agent with the, uh, with the NBA and, and basketball leagues around the world being at full stop? Well, first of all, Rick, thanks for, thanks for, uh, thanks for having me on today. It's, uh, it's always good to catch up and talk to you. But um, I, I tell you, um, with everything going on, the beauty about being in uh, in my business is circumstances we're dealing with. You know, waking up every day, there's always something unexpected hmm. uh, about our business. It's not the I, I guess you could say it's not monotonous work where it's the same thing or same routine every day. So I still get to do what I love, even though games aren't being played. It almost feels like an early off season in some ways, huh. but uh, it's still advising the clients. Yeah. You know, addressing their needs. Uh, obviously, got a lot of my got clients are still in their team cities, so it's it's just making sure that number one, their health and safety is a priority. That they're uh, that they're feeling good and they have everything they need at their homes. But then also, you know, some uh, planning for the next few weeks, right. kind of keeping them informed of all the talk of uh, the league office as well as uh, the union. Well, I think, yeah, mentioning that, I wasn't going to go to this right away, but since you mentioned it, there is some question about whether guys are going to continue to get paid or not. And Mm -hmm. when we've had labor stoppages, there's been the opportunity to at least prepare the anticipation that there could be uh, a stop in, in payment. But this is coming up somewhat abruptly for guys. So how Mm -hmm. are you... How are you helping your clients uh, prepare or get ready for the possibility that suddenly uh, those those paychecks will not be coming potentially over the next couple of months? Yeah, you know, it was it was a conversation early on. I, I think I may have mentioned this in, in some other conversations, Rick. You know, the when this all came up about three weeks ago now, Again, the priority was health and safety, but then it quickly turned to business because players were asking, well, are we still going to get paid, especially since they hadn't finished the remainder of the regular season and, uh, and of course, uh, the, the playoffs. But, you know, how I've prepared them is, is again, being in close contact with the union, uh, also understanding, um, you know, their conversations with the league office as it relates to the remainder of this season resuming. Because if the remainder of this season resumes, then obviously we know in uh, in some case that uh, the players are going to get compensated for those games played. 
the other thing, Rick, is understanding the payment schedule uh, for the majority of the league. I, I'm seeing as much as 90% of the players uh, are played on a 12-month play- payment schedule. Right. So right now that we're at the six-month mark, they've been paid for approximately half the season. Well, we know that we played more than half the season already, so players are still going to be due payment for the games that they've played. And then for the games that they haven't played, obviously there'll be a, a pro rata formula um, uh, that would deduct those payments. And and then um, obviously it's yet to be determined on whether uh, the rest of the regular season is going to resume and then the right. playoffs. If that's the case, then obviously um, uh, the league office with the union uh, will negotiate and see exactly what that formula is to make sure that the guys are paid. Now, is there an, a minimum number of games played per by the team or 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 by the players that guarantees a full payment of their contracts I, I thought I saw somewhere that if the if the if a team plays 70 games or more then guys are are certain to get their full you know the full payment no matter what how the what the timeline is for payment and if not then it could it potentially be you know uh, uh, prorated. Yeah, that's as it relates to the force majeure that we often hear about. Um, but yes, in, in short, uh, the magic number is uh, that 70 games is is what we're hearing. And that's why at least uh, early discussions on the regular season resuming, that we'll hear that it'll be an abbreviated regular season and it may not be the remainder uh, of the season uh, that's left on the individual team schedules. Got you, got you. So... What's your thought? Uh, I, I've been you, you've talked to, to said you've stayed in touch with the players' association. I've been talking to a lot of uh, executives and various people on the team side of things. Mm-hmm. Seems to be a tremendous. I would say there's a few skeptics out there, but by and large, most of the people I'm talking to believe that we are going to play again at some point this summer, and that they're going to find a way to do it in a safe and sane way. What's your what What are you hearing? Rick, I tell you, I was one of those skeptics early on, uh, and it wasn't anything having to do with uh, with the NBA or the or the union. It was more more of just seeing what was going on in other parts of the world, right? And and looking at their timeline, whether it be China or what we saw coming out of Europe. But I tell you now, at least in the last, I would say probably in the last week, week and a half, talking to executives talking to the union, talking to the, uh, talking to, uh, front offices. It's just, it, there's a lot of motivation to get the season back going. And I think if we look at the timing I'm hearing around June, mm-hmm. uh, for them to resume, and then obviously bringing the players back to practice facilities, you know, and maybe a few weeks prior to make sure right. that, you know, they get their rhythm back. Uh, because obviously right now we're seeing a lot of downtime, because depending on where my, even with my clients, depending on what part of uh, uh, of North America that they're located in, whether it be Toronto uh, or the East Coast, you know, the weather right now um, is not conducive to them working out outside or, you know, some guys on the West Coast are getting creative being able to go in their backyards and get some reps. Yeah. So you take that over the course of what could potentially be, you know, six to eight weeks or even longer the guys are going to need some type of runway to go back into the regular season. So if if you get if the guys have a few weeks of practice, go into the regular season, uh, then they'll be able to uh, obviously have some rhythm and then uh, resume play in June. And then that will lead to the playoffs I'm hearing in July, and then potentially a finals in August, which would then, you know, uh, in some ways, and, and I'm sure we'll talk about it, too. Uh, impact the draft as well right that could be at the end of august maybe early september got you um but there's a lot of motivating factors rick i I don't think it's 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 all motivated by uh uh, the economics or the financial impact which obviously there's every reason to get to that 70 games and and for for the the league to honor you know their uh their media rights partnership as well as uh some other um, partnerships they have. And then of course the players get paid, but I think now more than ever, you know, we're starting to see the real, real impact of sports, right? The fact that we don't have any sports content to consume, uh, as, uh, as spectators or just overall as sports fans, 
you know, in times like this, it's it, it's it's really disheartening. And I think uh, we could re- truly see the impact and the power of sports. And I know the NBA knows that and the union knows that. I think getting that back on the airwaves to a certain degree and having that content for fans to consume is going to be uh, a, a tremendous uh, morale booster during these times. So you, you mentioned your some of your clients have to get creative to get their, their workouts or to, to stay in shape. Who's who's what's the most creative you've heard? What what are some of the things that your guys are out there doing trying to <laughs> trying to get a sweat or trying just to maintain some sort of conditioning? Uh can't can't say there's anything creative other than, you know, uh, you know, running, you know, them getting out there, you know, just old school running out in the streets, getting their conditioning in, you know, uh some old school workouts, push-ups, pull-ups inside their homes. And then quite a few of them are ordering, you know, portable baskets, you know, because, really? you know, for the most part, yeah, you know, mo- most people don't think about it, but, you know, a lot, especially a lot of my younger clientele, they don't own the homes in right. their, or, or apartments in their team cities. Right. And then obviously, you know, their practice facilities or any gyms are closed. So they gotta, they gotta take it back, you know, old school to them growing up in their backyard, right. have these portable hoops. And then get some reps up. And, and a lot of the NBA teams have been supportive uh, of the players uh, in sending some outdoor NBA basketballs as well as some indoor basketballs so they could, you know, work on uh, work on their handles yeah. or uh, work on their reps getting shots up outside. Well, I don't know if you have anybody who's in more of a position as far as wanting to see the season come back and when the season comes back has more at stake than Pascal. And I wonder just because defending champions, um, I had them as a, as the dark horse to come out of the, out of the East still, because I think it's underrated in terms of the growth of Pascal and Fred Van Mm -hmm. Vliet and that, that institutional knowledge of what it takes to win a championship. I think that's discounted uh, a little too much and that they have a lot going for them, even without Kawhi. But I wonder what this is like for him uh, in, in in this period, knowing like one having everything come to full stop, and two thinking, you know what, I'm gonna if if we do come back and play, I'm gonna have an awful lot at stake. Like what what do what can I do? What should I do? How do I approach this time in order to be in the ideal position to uh, to still achieve achieve my goals when we get back? That's a that's a great question, Rick, and and great points you bring up. I I tell you, we haven't talked about that specifically. I could just give you my thoughts on knowing Pascal is um, he's 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 always focused right on uh, on winning at the ultimate level, uh, and whether that's individual individually or collectively with his teammates. But I tell you, in some ways, and this is theoretical, is I think this plays to their advantage in some ways, even more. One is, uh, to start off the season, people were underestimating them with the loss of Kawhi. And they are a dark horse. Um, But this time off is also allowing their older veterans to rest, specifically Mark Gasol. You know, Mark was playing uh, for the national team, and, you know, the Raptors, despite their record, had some injuries to Pascal, to Norman Powell, and the older guys, Serge Ibaka and Mark Gasol. So this time off is invaluable because they played a certain number of games that wasn't a full regular season, and now we're looking at six to eight weeks, maybe ten weeks off Mm -hmm. before they go back to resuming play. And the beauty about it is even with the loss of Kawhi, and you touched on this, is like, those guys have kept their their main their their pretty much majority of their team intact. That chemistry is not going to be lost. That can't be said for other teams that have added major pieces, maybe to their rotation or whatever the case may be. They may have just been you know finding stride before this you know abrupt suspension of the season. So yeah. I think when the Raptors come back, as disciplined as they are, is is really great as that front office and coaching staff is once they get back into it, they're not going to need as much time as maybe some other teams to find their rhythm. And I think some of the guys are going to be rejuvenated in terms of that time off to get back 
uh, right in time uh, in terms of finding their rhythm going into the playoffs. And and, and I agree, Rick. I, I see them coming out of the East. Yeah, the tricky proposition, I think, for the older players, I would dare say that it's it's a trickier proposition for the older players than it is for the younger players if we're going to go straight from like preparation to maybe a couple games and then playoff level basketball that the that the 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 strength you know the the older players kind of build their way up to being ready for this yeah. time of the season and to go yep. from getting in shape to now we're going to go full bore i like i i think that like for lebron or for the lakers in general i think that being an older team collectively you know lebron's done a tremendous job at 35 of calibrating himself to be ready for this time of year, but he wasn't expecting two months off and now we got to go hard. Right. And so I I think that's the challenge. That's where I see teams like Toronto that has younger players where you can, you can, you can massage your older play. Like Mark doesn't have to play a big role right off the bat. Right. Um, And you can lean on other guys who are younger. That's where I think that the dynamic changes with this, break and then coming back and kind of jumping into playoff basketball right off the bat well rick i think it's all it all depends uh, well every situation is unique as it relates to team as well as players because we i think we both agree lebron's an anomaly right mm-hmm. he in some ways he doesn't account why well he has access to more resources like a lot of uh the veteran players that have the means to have a gym yeah. at home or to maybe possibly have a basketball court at home. And the fact that he's in L.A., it, it's it's not like he's in Cleveland right, right now, right? Right. So my point being is I guarantee you with the discipline that LeBron, I like to think, has, he's going to be fine during this time. But again, my and, and this concern I, I'm going to speak on extends to all players is, and this is maybe the former uh, athlete in me is like, Every basketball player has an internal clock. It's and I can equate it to I don't know about you, Rick, but I, I wake up usually at like five thirty in the morning and I have my alarm clock set. But oftentimes if my alarm clock doesn't go off, I'm still waking up right. at five thirty because yep. I'm programmed that way. Yep. And as basketball players, we always know that the season on any level will start in fall, go through winter, and and in some ways you know, spring, summer is your off season. And that goes from youth basketball, high school basketball to uh, college and the pros. And and someone could say, you know, AU basketball and all that, but that's almost like your summer runs, yep. you know, once you're a pro. My, my concern, if at any, and this is again, theoretical is, and you touched on it is what is it like to have your season end abruptly when you're mentally programmed after so many years to play 82 games and end in the middle of April, but now it's ended in March, and now it's almost like an early off season, yeah. where you can't run, you can't play, you can't can't really lift, you can't have, find that rhythm of your staff, or just hold on to something that's normal in an off season. I'm curious to see how that will impact players because, you know, we, what no one has talked about is during the eleven lockout that year there was some significant injuries to some star players. Yeah when they came back, yeah. right? And even then, players were aware that the lockout was coming and we then they didn't know when uh, the lockout would end. And I think it ended right there in the middle of December. Right. Point being, though, is, is that, unlike this, is this situation was like really abrupt and overnight. Yeah. And it's not really uh, something that any of these athletes, including any of us, could have planned for. So it's going to be interesting to see, one, how the athletes take care of their body during this time, and then the fact that it ended abruptly, what does that do for an athlete or an NBA player's rhythm as they come back to play the remainder of the regular season, then go into the playoffs when normally they're in their off season in June, July, and August. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? 
All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Have you had anybody uh, either player or someone connected to your players or you family friend anybody who has either contracted the virus or had to deal with someone close to them who has contracted the virus uh no um uh fortunate enough to to not say that i guess is the closest as far as a client would have been um the raptors and pascal being a part of that team because they they had to uh, to self quarantine for that fourteen day period, right? Because of them having 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 played uh, the Jazz uh, days prior. But outside of that, it's been one degree of separation, I guess you could say, from from close friends that may be in New York that have had friends or people they know that have been uh, you know impacted in the worst way possible yeah. uh, from this COVID nineteen. Um, but in terms of family um, or a, a direct relationship uh, with any of my clients, no, um, not you, at all. You have a brand new seven-month-old son, though, and I just, mm-hmm. you know, I, I think about this. It's it's amazing how our world or our our perspective suddenly changes. I I was at yeah. that Nets Lakers game. I walked mm-hmm. by KD. Are we? You know, we kind of exchanged pleasantries and. Um, I like adapt up Jacques Vaughn, who I'm sure was dapping up all of the nets and, you know, yeah. a couple of them were, uh, mm-hmm. you know, were, were found, uh, positive, uh, tested positive. And so it suddenly got me to thinking, then it turns out my wife has some colleagues who have contracted it, who were at our house right before the whole social distancing right. thing was put into effect. And I suddenly became very conscious of, you can be, you know, you can you can have the best intentions and the best practices and still be vulnerable unbeknownst to yourself. And I just wonder and I think about getting sick, you know, or having to deal with health issues at this time and um having a seventh month old and things being, you know, having that sensitive little being in your house, like what's that like yeah. for you to uh, to manage life and and to think about the seven month old, um, with, with this kind of cloud hanging over us. Oh, wow, Rick. Um, it's, um, it's so, it was initially so nerve wracking that you almost, at least for me at times I have to turn off the news or try not to focus on the things that could be perceived as negative because, you know, uh, people are getting impacted. People are losing loved ones to this. And, um, you know, and there's a lot that I could focus on that's negative. That's that's not only scary for my seven-month-old, but I have a, a eight-year-old, an 11-year-old, and a 14-year-old, right? And then in addition to that, it's, my you know, uh, my wife's health as well as my own health or even my parents' health. Yeah. You know, Rick, my, my parents own nursing homes, you know, and they're still active, you know? And, um, and, uh, in some ways, uh, I mean, and they'll tell you if you ever had a chance to speak to them, you know, I was looking at China, I was seeing Europe and, you know, this is not something that discriminates whatsoever, you know, um, it doesn't matter, you know, your social class, your ethnicity, whatever your age, whatever the case may be, it is impacting people at every level. And that's, that's, what's really scary. But um, through it all, Rick, to be honest with you, I count my blessings and the fact that I get to be home when normally I'm traveling um, <laughs> yeah. every day or every other day. And it's, you know, regular season games, playoffs, recruiting, NCAA tournament, you know, it's nonstop going to the office and, uh, and, and working with my employees and, and things like that. It's this has put a lot of things in perspective because I could sit down on a, on a daily basis and have dinner, uh, with my whole family, Mm -hmm. uh, with my seven month old, it's not, 
you know, leaving for a number of days on a recruiting trip or a business trip and coming back and seeing that he's grown. Yep. Right. And I tell you, I, I think somebody brought this up in an article I read. You know, what if this happened 10, 15 years ago where we couldn't, you know, we didn't have video calls or right. Right. we didn't have uh, Zoom, you know, meetings or FaceTime. It's just thank God for technology, because mm-hmm. the, the hardest part in all this, I think, is is the, is is the isolation and being away from people. I, I tell you, even if somebody was, um, you know, like their space to themselves, I think this time is giving uh, is, is puts things in perspective on as a community how much we need that interaction, right? Whether yeah. it's going to the gym in the morning, or seeing your colleagues, or being in a courtyard, or or mm. whatever the case may be, um, is just human interaction um, more than anything. Is is I think what I like to say a lot of people miss, including me. Yeah, well said. You have clients overseas or you had clients overseas and yeah. i know that um and i believe you had some that were playing in the chinese basketball association which was trying to get their league started again and has mm-hmm. not been able to yeah um how many clients do you have that were playing in the cba and and what what are they doing now like where do they where are they in this in this mix yeah so I, I didn't have any playing in the CBA when uh, the COVID-19 hit China, right? Okay. December, January. What happened was, and we all, we're all following this, the cases in China have subsided, right? They're opening their businesses back. Uh, they're way ahead of us because obviously they were dealing uh, with this situation and crisis much er, uh, earlier than we were. So as the CBA announced that they were going to be reopening, I had the opportunity to send one of my clients, which we did. So where are things at right now? You know, China kind of had a, um, I don't want to say another peak or another increase uh, in, in, the, in, the, in, in the outbreak or, or the virus, but uh, they did have a little bit of an uptick. And what okay. they were finding was a lot of that was coming in um, you know, from tourists or visitors from outside of China. So what it's done is it's taken much longer for my client to obtain his visa to go back, go into China. And, uh, you know, hmm. what some people may not realize if, because I have a lot of friends in China, a lot of people I do business with, so I get constant updates even outside of this crisis, but they they have their protocols in place, right? Um whether it's basketball related or business related or even in society where there was a level of comfort sending the client over there because in some ways uh, it's safer there in terms of not contracting the virus as it is more likely to contract it here in certain parts of the country. Interesting. Interesting. So it's it's all situational, Rick, because I have over 35 clients in international markets in a lot of cases, I talk to their parents, I talk to my clients, and I say, guys, look, and talk to their teams. And, and I made, I guess you could say, an executive decision with a lot of them with their teams is saying, if my client was my, my younger sibling or family member or even my child for that matter, where would I want them right. as all this is happening across the world? I would want them at home and I, w- I would want them in our country so that if they did contract the virus, they had the best medical attention possible and they had family members to look look after them. Yeah. And and that's what ultimately happened. A lot of them I was able to bring back um, bring back to the US to their homes hmm. and uh, either suspend their contracts for the time being or just terminate them altogether because these circumstances called for them. Yeah. Or called for it. This it's you have a, a wide variety of of players and, and clients and I often feel as if fans don't really understand or appreciate. They feel like, oh, he's a pro athlete. He gets paid millions. He's not going to be affected by this. And the reality is there's a lot of guys out there. I, I think about guys who these paychecks that they could potentially lose, even as guys sign for the remainder of the NBA season, and they might be making eight, nine grand uh, a game. Mm-hmm. But that's, 
that's almost equal to what they were making if they were a G League player prior to that. Like there's mm-hmm. uh, the, the bottom line is my point is that there something like this has an interruption that guys may lose money that they never get back or it, a guy could be aging out and this is his last like payday or guys got the first opportunity to make his grade and maybe sign an NBA deal or a deal of some significance overseas or wherever it is. And this interruption throws all that to the side. And this is money that some of these guys will never have an opportunity to make again at this level. And so I, I, I one, I don't know if you have clients like that, that are in that mix or that, or if you do or you don't, like how do you how do you approach that with guys? Because I would just sense that there would be a sort of desperation there of, hey, I like I I, I got to take advantage of this time, and if I'm not, like what do I do? Yeah, again, it's it's uh, it's unique to the individual and their situation, Rick. To, in short, I don't have any player uh, in that situation, but having represented players. Uh, in situations where they're at the end of their career or maybe they're a young player getting momentum at this point of their career, you know, like you said, the, maybe maybe some fans don't understand, like, this is life yeah. for these guys. And, you know, Vince Carter, for example, right? This, like, he would have never, he may have imagined, okay, this is my last year. I could go and I could see old friends, colleagues, people in arenas. I could really appreciate the moment of each game, every single game, whether I'm on the bench or I'm, I'm in the game or in an arena or in a city. This is, you know, a vision that he had in his head. And then to have that taken away, that's a, that extends beyond money. Those are priceless moments. Yeah that he'll never be able to get back and never envision. And they have, it has its psychological effects as well. And there's so many backstories that we'll never know. It might have been Vince had this, you know, longtime friend of the last 20 years in a certain city that he looked forward to seeing or he said, hey, I'll see you the last game there. And there was plans. Well, guess what? Those plans are... Are, are no longer going to happen. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And, um, and there's so many, I guarantee you there's so many of those countless stories that we'll never know. And it's, it's not about the money in a lot of cases with these guys. I'll tell you that. And, uh, and from a financial standpoint, do the guys get well compensated? Absolutely. But it's all relative. Right. And I, and, and not to get too philosophical with this, Rick, but you know, traveling the world and being in different parts of the world, where something that's a modest salary here in the U.S., you can li- you're living like a king somewhere else, yeah, yeah. right? And it doesn't make you ha- happier or 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 less happy. It's just that's just the way things are. But it a person shouldn't be judged in terms of the emotional impact of certain moments based on their income. Right. That's that's right. how I view it. Right. You uh, I assume you have contacts in Italy too, and we know just how. It, uh, severe the hit was there um wh- what what do you know that maybe the average person doesn't about what life looks like over there or what life has looked like over there for the past month oh the, rick it's um you know i hate to say this it's um it, it's dire in certain parts um and the part that I hate to say, it's, it's what we're starting to hear coming out of New York and certain parts of our country. Yeah. It's no different. It goes back to what we, we said earlier. This, this, this virus does not discriminate. And, you know, the same fears that may be running through all of us, like as it relates to our, our loved ones or our children or our parents or, you know, our, our, you know, friends that may be in the medical field or whatever the case may be, it's the same thing in Italy and worse because Mm -hmm. they're ahead of us. So, you know, I've reached out to some of them just to check up on them. I've checked up on friends in Spain that have been hit hard by this. And 
it, you know, you can't you can't find anybody in the world, or at least I can't, that hasn't been impacted in a significant way because of this. I had a client that lost his father, mm. you know, and that meant everything to him, and they can't have a proper funeral for him to honor him, you know, because people can't. And I know, can't people can't congregate. People can't congregate, oh, right? Wow. Think about and that, and there's no hope in sight to be able to do that, right? Right. Um, so there's going to be a tremendous amount of psychological effects. I think not just on on my clients or in, in you know within sports, just as, as on society as a whole. But look, I'm, maybe I'm a glass half uh, full type of person, Rick. Out of all of this, you're start you're seeing community. At least for me, whether somebody's in Italy or Spain or my friends in Ireland or China, I, you know, I had uh, I had friends in China send me 300 of the N95 masks proactively. Wow! Right, and we're going to donate them to a hospital because I don't I don't need all of them. Right. But the sense of community through everything else, all the other craziness in the world, or even the craziness. Uh, that's not this uh, virus. It's a beautiful thing to see people come together and kind of put down this sense of, in some ways, nationalism and kind of got to raise the flag of humanity to look out for one another. And that's, yep. that's the bright spot in all of this. You said you've been in contact with the Players Association. How, how do you think that the Players and the Players, Players Association are going to approach what I believe is, is the, the league really wants to get back to playing um, yeah. to protect its business relationships. And as, as you mentioned, I think it was just a goodwill gesture to people getting a chance to see basketball. But the, but the burden of this, and I do not shy away from saying this, the burden of this is going to be on the players. They're the yeah. ones that are going to take the biggest injury risk coming back and playing pass, playoff basketball on a short term. They're going to be playing in... Uh, under unusual circumstances, probably with you know no fans, no crowds, in smaller venues, like uh, who, who knows what the living situation is going to be. They're the ones that are going to have to get tested every day. The onus is on them uh, to make this a reality. Um, but we also know that the leverage that the league has, and I'm sure they're, they're going to use their financial leverage over the players to make it happen. With all that said, how do you how do you see the players association approaching this making this happen or finding a way to making it happen in a way that's palatable for both the players as well as the league? I I think you know based on the circumstances, I don't think it's going to be contentious in terms of the conversations because the conversations have been ongoing since day 1. Right. And I really commend Adam Silver for um, suspending the season when he did before even our federal government or other sports leagues or even local government uh, decided to do the same. And I I know there has to be an appreciation from Michelle Roberts and the union. I know there's an appreciation from me um, because it was the right thing to do. So in short, Rick, I think because it's not contentious, I think there's an ongoing dialogue. And in some ways, I think it'll be premature for me to kind of look into the future because first of all, we don't know how long this thing is going to last, right? right? In terms of in terms of the appropriate social distancing measures at the level that we're seeing it now. But if, if we were to assume that this season was going to resume in June, I, I'd like to think that the union is going to look at the circumstances at that time because we don't know where we're going to be. What, you know, what's, you know, from, I, I, I said from a mental health standpoint, where are the players going to be? Where's our society going to be? Where's the union executives going to be? Uh, where are the league executives and team front office executives going to be? Like we're in this together in a lot of ways. And I like to think that all of them are talking about the totality of this situation to then make a decision, consult with the players, and then if they if everyone decides to come back because there's a lot riding on it, put the appropriate measures in place to make sure everyone is is uh, is on board with it yeah. in the best way possible. Now, I know some uh, players have made some statements about the fans not being there and whatever the case may be. I think that's 
I, I can't speak for everybody, but I'll, I'll say this in, as, as a broad general statement is oftentimes it's the newness of something or the not knowing that could lead us to comment on it. But I tell you this, in, in the summer at the UCLA men's gym where there's runs, there's really no fans or spectators right. and it's competitive as can be. That's a great point. The G, the G League showcase in Las Vegas that the, the NBA has done a tremendous job putting on at, at Mandalay Bay yep. is there's no fans. It's nope. just front just office scouts. execs yep. and it's competitive yep. and it's actually a beautiful setting and environment. So I think once the players see each other, I, and again, you remember we're right now because of social distancing and, and you, we lose that camaraderie, you know, once they're able to see even their rivals in the same gym or, or see them on the same court, there's going to be something that sparks and I think a bit of uh, uh, of them being grateful to say, you know what, let's bring it because we, we I miss the game or I miss being around people. And let's let's give fans and spectators and just community uh, something that they could hold on to. And it's I think it's going to be competitive, assuming and that's that's not wishful thinking. Yeah. I think that's, you know, the league doing a good job, the union doing a good job of players practicing before they go into that competitive environment by the way I'm, I'm i've decided that social distancing is too negative so i've started saying it's distant socializing distant socializing has a I little like that. just it feels a little more feng shui if you will um <laughs> so how do you how do you envision what what are you envisioning if we come back and play because there's been a lot of talk about you know, one hub in in Vegas, one hub in the Bahamas, which I don't know who came up with that, with that one, but yeah. but but do you see it? And I and I've heard you know uh, one GM talk to me about kind of doing a regional thing, having six to eight teams in each spot or whatever. I I I personally, the idea of bringing everybody to one locale like Vegas, where you could have five or six arenas and. Like you could close the entire circuit. You could use the same set of restaurants, you know, set of hotels. Like yeah. mm-hmm. that to me makes the most sense. But I, I don't know what, what you're hearing or what you're thinking is is the most logical way for this to, to go on in June or July. I, I'll, um, I'll say this. I'll, I'll tell you what I'm thinking. And I, and I live by this acronym of KISS, right? Keep it simple, stupid, especially in times like this. I don't like the Bahamas because we're not in the country anymore. I think we need to keep it to the U.S. and domestic, right? You also want to look at markets where uh, those municipalities or local governments aren't strict or too strict like we're seeing in Toronto where they're saying, hey, June 30th, right? right? And, And mind you, that's Canada, but you could get a local government or a state that says, hey, Social distancing, no community events, more than 10 until June 30th, right? The other thing is, in, in look, it has yet to be seen, but if this virus follows the same path as previous viruses or, or the flu, is they keep talking about warmer weather, right? Mm-hmm. I can't think any of anywhere else. In, uh, <laughs> June and July, that's hotter than Vegas. Right? <laughs> it's hot as hell in Vegas. It's 110 to 120 degrees. So right. if that's not going to keep this virus at bay, I don't know what is. Right. And the weather's consistent, right? So yeah. the weather's consistent and conducive to keep the virus at bay. You also have, um, I think, a city that would embrace the NBA and all of its teams in a regular season or playoff format being there. You have all the venues, you have first class hotels, so you could house NBA personnel as well as teams and put them on different floors, uh, put them in different hotels and have all the mechanisms in place uh, based on what you know health and, and medical officials are saying to make sure that the players are safe. And if somebody does come down with something, you can isolate them or, or, or have them quarantine without uh, impacting the whole. Yeah. Um, so to your point, Rick, I think, I think Vegas is the ideal place. Plus, you know, we've seen it work with summer league, yep. right? They have numerous venues. They'll have numerous sites for practices, which pl- teams will need. And in, in to a certain, certain degree, it's, it's familiar territory for all of, uh, all of the players in the NBA to be there. Now, 
you know, I think it's just going to come down to a matter of logistics because what I will tell you, Rick, and I'm sure you could attest to this, is I can't stay in Vegas longer than probably seven days before I'm going crazy. So they're going to have to figure out some type of break yeah. or something for the players because, um, you know, it's it's it, it could be difficult being in Vegas for an extended period of time. Yeah. Well, I mean, the flip side is, the flip side is, is that there's only a certain number of players and teams that will be there for the duration. I mean, as you get knocked out, now you're leaving. So, uh, but the, but there is, to your point, the teams that are there until the end. That's going to be a really long stretch. And for me, it's about honestly, it's about 48 hours. And then I'm, I, 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 whenever I'm getting ready to go to Vegas, it's always all right, man. I'm going to Vegas. And as soon as I land, I'm like, oh my god, I'm in Vegas. Like, yep, exactly. And so, um, but. You you make a great point about the NBA already has a footprint there, and it just look. There's going to be a certain amount of sacrifice. There's going to be a certain amount of this is not business as usual, and people are going to accept that. I just think on the other side of it, what you were providing sports fans, the goodwill, the honestly, I feel like the players that have something at stake for this season are going to appreciate that they get to get back. And oh, they're going to bring for that it. thing, right? No question. Lakers, Milwaukee, Toronto, and some people said, "Oh, there's going to be an asterisk." I don't. It doesn't matter. Like, based on the circumstances and depending on what format the NBA comes with, as well as a union, players are going to bring it. And at the end of the day, there's going to be crowned a champion, which I think the players are going to appreciate, as well as fans are going to appreciate it. I can tell you, Rick, I'm going to appreciate it because yeah. we started to see go into playoff mode after all-star break and you started seeing the, the cream rise to the crop in terms of who was making a serious push going to into the playoffs and then the season ended abruptly so i think the players are going to get back into full swing but i tell you there's going to have to be a lot of smart people working on it because mm. it could be a logistical nightmare because a lot of teams uh, you know players even if they're isolated and there's no fans you have players that have families. And even if you were talking about a best of three game series, that's at least a week because you can't, you don't want to play back to backs or, or have those games all on top of one another because yeah. that could lead, really lead to serious injury. So if, if you're spreading it out and you're in Vegas for an extended period of time, guys are going to want to see their families or their kids. Yeah. But then again, are you going to tell your, their families, hey, you can't go out to the strip? or you can't go to this grocery store, or you can't go to this activity knowing that they're going to interact yeah. with their husbands later yeah. on or fathers, and that increases, again, the likelihood that somebody, you know, contracts a virus. So th I think there's ways to, uh, I think there's ways, and, and it's going to be a commitment on uh, from all parties to make it happen, but it's not something that's going to be um, very simple, Yeah. right? But so yeah. the more simple they can make it, Rick is what I would say um, is what I would say altogether. So last thing for you, uh, since we're talking about this potential of the the draft and the playoffs and everything getting pushed back this summer. Um, and by the way, I, I, we, we kind of went past that, but um, how 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 confident are you or that the draft because the draft is really kind of independent, like. I can see why some teams would want to move it back later in case they get the opportunity to have face-to-face -face interviews and do some of the things that they normally do with players. Mm -hmm. But there is the potential that you could still have it in June. It would be a stand a standalone event. It would be content. And you'd go based off of, you know, it'd be kind of old school. You'd be going off tape. You'd be going off the work that you've done to this point. Um, I, I just wonder from what you're hearing what's the likelihood that it gets pushed back versus they keep it where it is? Um, I, I think it gets pushed back, Rick, and, and here's why. I think it's fair to say that the priority right now in terms of the focus and the attention of the league and the union is on bringing the NBA season back, okay. right? It's not, it's not the draft and its prospects, and it's not to say that they're not important or – the draft isn't important. It's just prioritizing, right? right? But with that said, is like these are the draft 
especially for your lottery picks, your first round picks and subsequent picks, that's a major investment for a team franchise. Sure. Right. And if a team can't sit and, and evaluate a player uh, on the court, see their medicals, see their movement, you know, and, and everything else that comes along with the normal draft process, even with them watching film, they're making decisions in the blind. Because yeah. even for me as an agent, you know, people have asked about Pascal. Todd, did you, did you see the talent in Pascal? And the answer is, uh, is yes and no. And it is no. I, I, well, I saw the level of talent in Pascal at New Mexico State when I watched him play. I saw his potential. But I didn't really get to understand that he could be a perennial all-star or a max-level player until the first day I had him in my gym. Why? Because he's out of his system. That's when you could see the potential of a player. Players in systems, there's a ceiling because they're in a system based on the whole team or what the coach may see their upside is opposed to what their natural skill set is or what they could be um, developed into. Right. And that's the thing. If I'm a front office executive, the fact that I lose that is, is, is problematic, right? When I'm uh, making this major decision on who's going to be an integral part of my team moving forward. The second piece is I may judge like it's, there's a reason that the draft happens after the season and before free agency as well. The reason why we see trades around that. It's a good point. So to disrupt that rhythm again yes. for front office personnel. It's a, good point. it's a really good point. That's that that could be problematic as well. So I envision and I anticipate that they're going to move the draft back, assuming the regular season and the playoffs happen, it will be moved back until August, late August or September. The combine will be in July. We'll probably see an, a, an abbreviated or, or kind of distilled version of what we understand the draft or the combine to be, with the most important elements being the, the interview, the medical, yeah. and then something seeing those players on the floor yeah. in some capacity, yeah. right? Even if it's limited or abbreviated, uh, I, I envision that happening and everything will get pushed back. The, the, the only issue that I'm seeing as an agent as it relates to advising families is like players, quote unquote, testing the waters. Um, unless the NCAA decides to mirror whatever the NBA uh, decides to do or, or dupl duplicate it or parallel it is they would have to then move their dates that impact uh, college underclassmen uh, similarly. Yeah. Right. So for example, Players have, underclassmen have to enter the draft by April 26th and withdraw their name by June 3rd. Well, if the draft is getting pushed back, how could how could players be get information or feedback from teams that aren't able to evaluate yeah. them? It defeats the purpose altogether. So that's where it gets tricky as well. Uh, unless you're projected lottery or uh, the UAC, which is uh, undergraduate advisory committee comes back to those underclassmen and say, Hey, you're projected lottery or first round or high in the second round. Yeah. Then it's not as much risk. Yeah. It, 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 it's tricky because even at the collegiate level, someone brought this up to me, you know, coaches have recruited anticipating the next wave of guys to replace the guys who are going on to the, to the NBA. And if you're one of those borderline guys and decides Ah, this is maybe under the circumstances this is a bad bet. I'm going to go back to college one more year because of these circumstances. You may be stuck because there may be already a guy coming in who's anticipating taking your minutes. They already expected you out the door. That's where it's going to get tricky as well. It's also Correct. just even with those lottery picks and those first round picks, and I'm imagining, and this leads me to my my last question. Uh, about the possibility of moving the season from uh, to to December to August, shifting the whole schedule back, and I know that there has been some legitimate talk about that by NBA mm -hmm. teams as well. Uh, it's not just you know pie in the sky thinking, but without without that shift, 
Now you have like, and, and guys don't play as much in the summer league. They'll play one or two games, but they're practicing and they're getting an opportunity. Like they, every guy comes in and he gets to know the system before he comes in. I look at guys like James Wiseman and LaMelo Ball and RJ Hampton and all these guys who, who basically didn't play last season, right? And now they're coming to the NBA. They're young. Some of them are physically still underdeveloped. And now you like, now you we're back into that. You're throwing guys into the fire before they're really ready. And I like I, you know, the careers are are lost or you know uh, irretrievably damaged under circumstances like this. That that to me is some of the collateral damage, depending on what happens here. Um, I, I'll let you comment on that if you'd like before I have the yeah. answer the the whole shift in the calendar question. Well, well, Rick, I'll, I'll bring something to your attention as well, which you may laugh at, is what I've seen in the last year anyways, last year in Summer League, most of these young players are being load managed anyways. <laughs> yeah. And they're not playing, yeah. right? That's number one. So number two is, like, as it relates to the season being pushed back to December permanently, uh, and I've said this before, it's like there's a lot of smart people out there, a hell of a lot smarter than me. I, at least I like to think. And they've, they're, I always say like, I always ask the question, why, right? Yeah. I always tell my clients that too. It's like, if I advise, advise you to do something, you could always ask one simple question is why. And it should be, it should make common sense as to why I'm advising it. So you know, it's good advice that you can take and run with. So as it relates to this, like I asked the question, why? Why is the NBA talking about doing it? This, this was being talked about well before all this came up, right? True. And I haven't seen the data or what the analysts have come up with in terms of now you're now, the season is no longer conflicting with the NFL season or uh, the media rights or sponsorship could go up or increase because of uh, there's no conflict. I don't know any of that, but I tell you, if it makes sense at the end of the day, why not? Now, what are the repercussions? You know, guys lose an off season that typically aligns with the summertime. Uh, so you may get some complaints about that. There's also a disruption as to, you know, what the, the norm is in terms of their career, that internal clock I spoke to in terms of timing of what they always anticipate uh, their off season is. But as it relates to bringing it back to the draft, if the season is to start in December and we're hypothetically or assuming that the NBA season is going to get back in June and end in August, where teams, if they plan right, where they can make that up with these young players is that time from the draft all the way to the start of the regular season. And that should be ample time in terms of, you know, um, four months we're essentially talking about that those players could get into a strength and conditioning program, do some pickup games with some of their uh, new teammates on the roster that they're drafted to. And there could be a lot of things that those NBA teams implement knowing that they now have this asset or this young draft pick and that they could prepare them for the season starting in December. Now, if the season remains intact where it is, that's where it could be problematic because Lord knows, Rick, what these young players are doing right now with limited to no resources in preparation for the draft. This is a lot of downtime, especially if you're talking about the draft now in August, because now we have, you know, um, uh, now until August, several months where players aren't preparing themselves for that transition to, into the NBA and then to start an NBA season you yeah. know, essentially a month after the draft, uh, that, 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 that could be scary. Yeah. That could be scary. I, I would be concerned for any of my clients that, um, I'm representing in the draft and moving forward into their rookie year. All right. Well, that does it. Uh, Todd, entertaining, enlightening. It was terrific. Thank you so much for joining me. Uh, for our listeners, don't forget to rate and review the show on uh, iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts. And if you want us to do something for you, screenshot that review and send it to at Buker Friends, and you'll be eligible to win some prizes. I believe in my next podcast, I'll be joined by Ryan Hollins, and we will give you 
Well, we'll give you our regular season MVP, all the awards, the uh, all NBA teams, because I just I don't think we're going to get a whole lot of regular season games back in, Todd. I think it is going to be maybe a, a couple games, maybe a play-in game or two for the ninth and the eighth seeds or whatever to make it interesting. Yeah. And then and then we're going to get right into it. But uh, in the meantime, you and your, uh, your family, please stay safe. And I look forward to seeing you uh, on the NBA trail sometime soon. Yeah, you the same, Rick. And say hi to Ryan Hollins. That's one of my former clients right there, too. So, hell of a coincidence. Well, back my, back. My, condol- my condolences. I've, I've, <laughs> taken, I've taken over responsibility for him. And yeah. um, I can only imagine what you had to deal with. So, <laughs> uh, well, have no, fun with him, Rick. I will do that. All right. Thank you, Todd. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.